What's up, Overcomers? Welcome to another episode of the Overcoming You podcast. I am your host, Josh Canuti. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. If you haven't done so already, please hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, write us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback on the episode or the podcast as a whole. My guest today, I think, is a descendant of The Flash, but I'm not sure, but I know he is fast. He was born in a small little town in Mississippi, and in grade 8 was seen by one of the high school track and field coaches and literally walked over there and said, hey, kid, you're fast. You want to come race for us? And he goes, yeah, sure. So as an 8th grader, races in track and field and not only wins, but wins state championships. And at that time, he realized, hey, maybe I have some athletic gifts. He didn't rest on his athletic gifts. It was through grit, determination, and sheer will that he ended up competing at the higher elite levels. He's a multiple gold medalist in multiple organizations, such as the IAAF. He's an Olympic medalist. And one of the coolest stories in between Olympics, those four years in between, he's traveling around the world, and he's in this race and wins by virtually a mile, and he's literally taking his victory lap and these two guys that are jostling for a second come barreling in and he breaks his fibula bone and it'd be one thing for him to come back but he comes back and wins and races a personal best breaks any other record that he's ever had one of the fastest men on the planet kobe miller so that was a huge confidence boost knowing that yeah you know, i put in the time that i had worked that i overcame something that pretty much could have ended my career but i, I was determined to get back on the track Kobe Millen. Hey, brother, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be able to share the inspiration with people and, and kind of uh, relate to them as far as how things have gone in my life. So I'm super, super excited um, to be doing your podcast. So hello. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So we always kind of like to start in high school because that's kind of where people always start to talk about and kind of get to know themselves a little bit. If you kind of describe yourself, how would you describe yourself in high school? In high school, I was probably one of the popular kids, but I also was very, very shy um, growing up. Um, so in high school, uh, I kind of like was, so I had my few select friends that I had, but I kind of was always to myself, even though that was pretty popular in sports and everything. But, you know, when you're kind of like that, you know, every, everyone kind of gravitates towards you because they want to be a, a part of, uh, of the success you're experiencing, not necessarily want to be a part of your life, but they want to be a part of that success. So I kind of was one of those people that kind of faced myself, even though I was very kind and I treated, you know, all humanity with respect and everything. I was one of those kids that was kind of to myself and uh, focusing on what I was doing, like getting good grades in high school. So that's one of the main things that I wanted to do is I wanted to really put in time and focus in, in getting a good education because, you know, where I grew up from, you know, weren't the best conditions and we didn't have the best resources. But I knew early on that if I could take a small opportunity that was given to me and, you know, and put my focus and energy into that, it would probably take me a long way. So I took school very seriously. I didn't do, like, a lot of the hanging out. and do. I didn't do, like, a lot of the partying or anything like that. But at the same time, I did, you know, put my focus and energy on developing my athletic skills and then as well as, you know, making sure that I graduated on time because I knew – that uh, with the way things was going with my athletic career in high school, that I would probably have an opportunity to go to a big major university. So that's what I put my focus on. I, I focus on, you know, being a better athlete, developing my athletic skills. I focus on, 
you know, making sure that, you know, I got good grades. So I could, when the opportunity presented itself, I could go and, and do something wonderful with my life. So that's kind of the kid that I was in high school. Yeah, so I always find that fascinating because, like, for me in high school, I was just the complete opposite. All I wanted to do was kind of party and find the closest girl and the closest beer and stuff like that. So I always commend those, my friends that grew up and they were good athletes. Did you get that instilled from your parents to kind of shut all that stuff off and be so focused? Or how did you develop that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, grew, I grew up kind of like on a farm. And so my parents always kind of like encouraged me to work hard, you know, and, you know, not let, you know, distractions deter you away from your goals and dreams. So they said you, they always tell me that you was made to, um, you was made to stand out, not to fit in, not to fit in with everybody. So I kind of like took that to heart that, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm an amazing, unique individual. And I learned this early on that I'm, I'm created with a purpose and I want to utilize my purpose to serve others. And so that was something that they pretty much put in all five of us. I'm the youngest of five kids. So, uh, my parents was like, I wouldn't say they were strict, but they just believe in, you know, doing what you're supposed to do to get to your next level in life because you never know, you know, what curveball is going to come at you. But if we can prepare you mentally, you know, early on when you go out in the, in the real world, you'll be a success. So I kind of took all the principles that I learned from them and uh, they instilled in all of us to just work hard and, you know, and, and stay away from distractions and always try to do the right thing when no one else is looking. And that's probably when I learned about, you know, integrity of, of doing the right thing when no one else is looking because my parents always was big on that. And to this day, I try to live by that. You know, I, I want to be able to, you know, live what I talk about. I want to be able to, you know, be a man of integrity, you know, and and, and that's what I kind of like, one of my core values in my life that I kind of like base my everyday life on is just being, being a man of integrity. Yeah, that's one of the things that's really changed my life for the better this past probably year and a half or so, two years, is I stopped doing stuff for other people. And I when I started to do the thing, the right thing when no one's looking, like it just totally changed my outlook on life because I wasn't doing it for somebody else. You know, I was still eating right or doing all that type of stuff. So that integrity with yourself, I think is so, so huge to cultivate, especially you're very lucky to cultivate that at, at a young age. That's really, really cool. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like I was so thankful, like, and grateful just to be able to learn it early on, like, just to know that, you know, there are people out there watching you every move, but that when you learn to, to be into yourself and, and do things that makes you happy, you know, you don't have to be the next person because you only, there, there can only be just one you, so why not be the best person of yourself that you can be? So when I learned that and I got that and I got clear about that, you know, and, and started to, you know, shift my energy into everything that I, that I wanted to accomplish, and then I started to see the manifestation of everything that I had envisioned myself doing. And I learned this early on. Like, I, I don't think the kids today really don't really, don't really get that, get that. But I was, I was, um, lucky enough to, 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 to get that information and, and learn to, you know, you got to set yourself apart. You got to set the standards for other people because you never know who you're going to inspire. So when I got that concept, um, early on in my life, I kind of, my parents taught me how to apply that. And when I did that, and then it's just almost like um, my athletic career took off, even at a young age. I mean, like I said, we shared the story about I was only in the eighth grade, and I was actually got moved up to the high school track team. And that very first year when I got moved up to the high school track team, 
I won the state championship. So then I knew that, okay, maybe there's something here. So I had this wonderful, uh, amazing man in my life by the name of Coach M.C. Miller. He was one of my biggest mentors growing up. He pushed me, got me in all the track meets. He actually was the one who discovered me and told me that I should, you know, try for the high school track team. So I did that, and he, ever since then, like, he and I are still close to this day. He actually just got um, inducted into the Coaches Hall of Fame. So that tells you that he's a wonderful coach, a great mentor, just a great person all around. And yeah. last year when I got um, inducted into the Sports Hall of Fame in Mississippi, uh, he was one of my guest, guest people that was there. So when I connected with him and, you know, and he pushed me to levels that, you know, I didn't think that I could go to. And so that only got stronger as I went out to high school. And so by the time I was a senior, I had done so well in, in pretty much all sports, pretty much. I had done so well in football. I had done so well in track and field. I had done well in basketball. We actually won a, a, the, the World Championships in baseball. So I was Jeez. kind of like this all-around athlete. So he would push me, even though when I didn't want to do it, he would tell me, you know, you've got it. You're very talented. you got to go out here and do it. And that's kind of like what built my – I think I think that's what built my uh, competitiveness and started me to really pursue, you know, what I was really, really good at. So my athletic skills was a way for me to get out of my environment that I grew up in so I could be in the environment that I am now. Yeah. You know, you said something really good there that I want everyone listening to take note is that, granted, you were very lucky to notice, I think, your uh, gift at an early age. But you said, um, you know, even in eighth grade being called up to high school that you thought you felt like something was there. And so you felt like something was there, and so you explored that more. That doesn't mean, like, you were perfect right off the bat, you still had to work. And I think a lot of times when people are looking for, you know, what's my passion, regardless of whether you're an adult, young, young man, young child, whatever, you know, when they look for what's their passion, they feel like their passion should be something that they're just perfect at all the time. But that's not what, what you happened. You saw, hey, I'm a little bit good. I have a little bit of interest in here. So let me go explore that. And then, you know, you got with Coach Miller and kind of cultivated your skills a little bit more. So I think that's so, so big of you and big for people to, to hear. Yeah, like I totally agree. Like uh, when I started out, um, it's just about like recognizing what you're good at. And I think that goes back into like, of course, kids doesn't know this right now, but like one thing I've learned along this journey now is to be consciously aware of what's going on in, in your mind, body, spirit, and soul. So when I found what I was good at, I wasn't perfect at it in the beginning, but I knew that, you know, with faith and then, you know, with hard work, because I had, you know, like I said, I grew up on a farm, so I knew what discipline and hard work could produce. So I kind of channeled that energy and put that into my athletic career, even though I wasn't the best in the beginning. But I knew that, okay, I had no experience of running. And when I got moved up to the high school track team as an eighth grader, I knew that when I won a state championship that year, I knew that if I really worked at it and learned the fundamentals of running and learning the fundamentals of, of discipline and learning what it means to be committed and put that energy into that, I knew that it would take me very far. But like I said, in the beginning, it wasn't like it, it wasn't like easy. You know, there were times that I didn't want to go out to practice or whatever, but I had strong mentors in my life told me I have to do what others are not doing. So that's kind of like how I built my career on it. Like, and I, and I, and I stuck with that. 
And uh, I, I worked on it every day. And like I said, there were times that I didn't want to, you know, go to practice. There were times where I just didn't want to do it that day. But I knew that, you know, I had to sacrifice if I wanted to go far. So um, I would sacrifice the times that I didn't want to do it and still make myself do it. There were even days I can remember that, you know, after a workout, what Coach Miller had given me, I would lay on the track and feel like I couldn't do it anymore. But yeah. he pushed me to say, you know what, you got to get back up, you got to keep going. And I think that's what made me have that tough, competitive spirit of just, you know, you can accomplish anything you set your mind to. It's just, you just have to work at it and, and know that, you know, the, 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 the beginning it is the hard part. But when you get to the top, the view is always beautiful. Yeah, you know, you said something that I absolutely love it when people with your level of, of literally being one of the fastest uh, men on the planet of all time. So you are an elite amongst elite. And I, I'm not saying that to throw sunshine at you. It's just a fact. But even you, someone so good at track and field, someone so fast at the 100 meter and 200 meter, even you had times where you didn't want to do it. You know, you had something that you love, but you had times during those practices where you didn't want to do it, but you knew that you had to surround yourself with Coach Miller types, surround yourself with the right people that would push you to get through that. And once again, everyone listening, I want you to hear what Kobe's saying is that here he is, a cut above the rest in his field that he loves, and he still has times where he didn't want to do it, but you got to push through that, which I think is one of the reasons, if not one of the main reasons, why you've been so successful. Would you Absolutely. I mean, so cool. at, the, yeah, at the end of the day, um, you know, there are going to be times where if you start any journey, whatever you're good at, there are going to be times you want to quit, but you have to be in the mindset to know that, you know, there are people out there in the world that, you know, needs your gift, needs to have what you have to share. Um, and one of the things that I learned that was very, very powerful for me when I wanted to quit is to write your goals and visions down. Uh, you put it before you. So therefore, when you have those moments where you want to quit, where you want to give up, go back and look at your, your goals and, and, and figure out your why. Why are you doing it? And if you can figure out your why and you stay focused on, on your why, and then it becomes clear as to what you're doing and why you're doing it, and then you put even more effort into doing it. So, yeah, that's, that's going to be time. That's just a human thing. That's going to be the time you want to quit. That's going to be the time you want to give up. But you go back to the drawing board and figure out why you're doing it. What am I doing this? So I, I, I learned to write my goals and visions down, and I learned to look at them every day. I even have an exercise that I do now. And, and now that I'm not doing track and field again, but I still stay in shape. But that's the exercise that I do now, and I think it's very, very powerful. I write on my mirror the things that I want to accomplish in life now going forward, the things that I like about myself, the things that I don't like about myself. I focus on the things that I like about myself. So every morning when you wake up out of bed, you have to look in the mirror. So there's on my mirror, you are great, you are confident, you are amazing, everything that you touch is success. So I write these things in my mirror so that I see them every day. So even when I'm not, like, saying them verbally, it's missing in my mind because when I wake up in the morning, I brush my teeth, I'm in the mirror, so I'm seeing all these positive affirmations about me. So that's a great way to start your day and jumpstart your day is that mirror exercise literally has literally changed my life, like so it's yeah. even more now than it has because I have all these positive things that I like to say about myself, and I go out into the world, and I expect these things to manifest, and, and that's how I kind of like move through life now.
Yeah, I love stuff like that. You know, it's so funny because we've heard, you know, growing up, everyone's heard, you know, write your goals down, put it in front of you in some form, but it's so powerful. It may seem to some of the listeners, you know, they've read some self-help books or listened to dates, like, oh, Grady said that, but everybody that I'm talking to, whether you be a multimillionaire or elite-level athlete like you, do does something of that form. You know, write that down, keep it in front of them, or whether it's uh, meditation and picturing the individual that you want to be. So you start your day like that. It is so, so crucial, and it's so important to, you know, just get out the door on the right foot. So it's really, really cool. Cruising forward, I want to go a little bit further um, along. So you're in college, getting ready for the Olympics, and kind of tell me about that time uh, in your life. Is it just straight head down? Monday through Friday, nonstop workouts. What's kind of like your mental thought process there? You just have one vision, one goal, or what's going on around that time? So going back to <clears throat> when I finished um, high school, so I got, like, all these offers because, you know, I, 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 I think my last year in high school I actually did football and I did track at the same time. So I had a scholarship pretty much to anywhere I wanted to go, to any schools I wanted to go to pretty much. So at the time when I was graduating, they give you, like, five visits to – different schools. I took all five of mine because I really wanted to see what the schools were about. And I narrowed it down to two schools when I was where I wanted to go to. So I ended up going to a junior college the first year because I just still wasn't just like sure if I wanted to be in a big university right off the bat. So I went to this company, this um, college called Meridian Community College, where they had just had, they just had their track program. So at the time, there was this coach named Joe Walker, who's the son of of Joe Walker at Ole Miss. Joe Walker is the he was a track coach at Ole Miss at the time, which they had recruited me heavily. So I ended up going to a junior college first, and uh, and kind of like the first year there, for their very first track and field program, I ended up you know winning the national championships in the hundred and two hundred and sixty meters. So that year, our whole team won the the whole national championship. Our wow. very first year their very first track and field program there. Our whole team won the national championship, which was crazy. So it's kind of like we put Meridian on the map. And so from yeah. that point, after visiting all five of my schools, I narrowed it down to Auburn, and I narrowed it down to LSU. So the thing what got me with Auburn is by the coach of the name, Raph Spry, who is the coach there now. He would drive all the way from Auburn, all the way to Meridian, to watch me practice just about every day. Whoa! So that to me tells me that this man is going to be dedicated. He's going to be committed to me, and just his energy, just like he would come to the track, watch my practices every single day, pretty much. And uh, so that kind of drew me to him. And so when I found out that he was going to be, you know, come, be, going to be the head coach at Auburn, and there was no doubt in my mind that that's where I was going to go. So I connected with Coach Bus Bride because I saw his passion mm-hmm. and just the dedication he did to come watch me run. So I get to Auburn. He's my coach and everything. He came in and, you know, I'm there on the campus and everything. So I was there on a full track scholarship, which was amazing because my parents did not have to pay not one single penny for me to go to college yeah. and get a good education. So that was number one. I wanted to, to make sure that I did get my education and I wanted to graduate with honors and that's what I did. But, you know, every day in track, um, after your class is over, you would go to the track, you train five days a week, for about wow. two to three hours, and you lift weights every single day. So, well, so I was very good at motivating me and everything. And so um, as time goes by, you know, I become SEC champion. I become 
you know, national champion and everything, and set school records, which I think a couple of mine still last there. So my junior year there in Auburn, um, you know, it was time for the Olympic trials and everything. But I, I, I always had a vision to say that, I, you know what, I, I believe I can make an Olympic team because mm-hmm. I had I have a, a mentor by the name of Jesse Owens, and he was just oh. a phenomenal runner, and uh, I admire him so much. So I knew that, you know, I was running really, really fast times. I was, you know, ranked number 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 two in the world. At one point, I was ranked number one and number two in two events. <laughs> and I was a junior in college. And so um, that year happened to be the Olympic trials and everything. We came off nationals. I think I won the SEC championships that year and, you know, won the 200 meters as well. And then uh went to trials that year. My very first Olympic team was Australia and I was a junior in college then, so I went to trials. I was competing in the 200 meters, and that was really, really an, an experience for me because at the time, you had the great Michael Johnson, you had the great Maurice Green. I had another competitor by the name of John Capel, who was, uh, he and I were rivals and stuff. We would always go back and forth of who wins what or whatever, but we, you know, we're, yeah. we're cool, we're good friends. So he and I was probably one of the youngest two in, in that, in that race when it came to the, making the Olympic team that year. And I was the youngest too. We get in, you know, we get to the track and everything, and everybody's hyping up, you know, Maurice Green. Everybody's hyping up Michael Johnson. That oh, they're, they're the best in the race. But I was, yeah. like I said, I grew up being competitive, and I said, you know what? It doesn't matter who's in this race with me. I'm going to focus on what I need to do, and I'm going to focus on my lane, and I'm going to run my race. So we get to the finals and everything, and then um, I drew lane eight. So I'm out there in the far lane. And everybody else is behind me, so I can see anybody. So mm. I'm out there in lane eight. And so what I told myself when I got in those blocks, I said, okay, this is a moment of a lifetime. If I'm going to lose this race, if I'm going to not make this team, everybody behind me is going to have to come catch me. Mm-hmm. And the gun goes off. I take off. I run an amazing curve, and I didn't see anybody come off the curve. So I was like, okay, yeah. So I kept going. And I kept telling myself, Minton, I'm going to make this team, I'm going to make this team. And then I saw to my left John Capel, because he actually won that year, come up on my – about 40 meters left to the finish line. I saw him come up on, on my left. So I said, i got to keep going. i got to keep focused, keep my eye on the prize. And when we all crossed the line, my name popped up, and I made the first Olympic team. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I, have, I heard you say something on an interview before when you're in the blocks. He said, uh, if you're thinking, you're sleeping, meaning like if you're thinking about the technique of the race or something like that. Absolutely. So what, what do you mean by that? I would say a thinking man is a sleeping man, especially when you're down in those blocks because there's so much mentally going on. Because what you do is like when you practice, that's when you think about what you're doing. But when you get down in those blocks, everything becomes like a, a blank canvas. only thing you're thinking about is, you know what, well, i got to get out and I have to – everything that i work for – here in this moment. So I always said, you know, a thinking man is a sleeping man, meaning that if you're thinking about all the stuff that you got to do when you get down there in the blocks and that gun goes off, you're going to be left sitting in the blocks and everybody else is going to be in front of you. So when I always got down there, I, my mind goes blank. I don't think about anything. Yeah. I just think about reacting to the gun and just go. So that's why I, I tell kids now that I work with, if you're thinking about everything down in the block, guess what? You're going to be left there thinking. So thinking man is a sleeping man. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I've been training Muay Thai um, quite heavily this last probably year or so. Each time I get into like a little sparring match or a fight or something, if I sit there and 
think about my combination. Next thing I know, I'm either on the ground or I'm, I got gloves and, and knees coming at my face. So, <laughs> but one of the things that I took away from, from that, well, kind of two things is one is that a lot of your confidence or people's confidence comes from their preparation because mm-hmm. lack of confidence, I think, comes from a lack of knowledge or a lack of preparation or not knowing. But when you're at that track, like you said, with Coach Miller, and he's pushing you through the times you don't want to do it, that's like building your confidence to where in your technique. So you're building your confidence, building your technique. So when you sit in that, in those blocks, and when you get down, you're just like a caged animal ready to go because you're confident, because you know you put in the work, you know, on the inside, not from, and then you know the technique because you've done it so many times that it just is, it's automatic. I agree. Repetition, repetition, repetition. That's why you have practice. So when you get to the, the, when you get ready to compete, you know, everything else is like, if you're going to be thinking about things, I I, I like to do it the night before. I like to visualize myself. How am I going to run this race? What am I going to do? What am I going to focus on? So the night up before the race, I always play those scenarios in my mind. So therefore, when you get, you know, when you play these scenarios in your mind enough, then your mind starts to you know, believe that this is going to happen because, like I said, we are what we think. So I'm thinking, oh, you know, how am I going to execute this race? So, and the night before when I'm lying in bed, you know, trying to get a good night's rest, I kind of go over my race of how I want to do it and how I want to execute it, you know, in my mind. And and then therefore, when you go to the track, because I was like, you know what, I've done this so many times in practice, so I don't need to be thinking about anything but just, you know, doing doing technique and, you know, and, and focus on the fundamentals that I learned in practice. And I know I can do it. And I know, like, there's nothing like going into a race or whatever sport you're doing or whatever you're doing. There's nothing like going into it knowing that you're confident and, and believing that, you know, all the things you've worked for is just for this one moment. And if you focus on and think about the things that you've, you know, worked so hard for, so therefore when you get to the competition, you know, it's just, it's a blank cam. You just go, you got to perform. And then because you know the, the results are going to come because you've already put in the work. So, that's yeah. why I, I tell my athletes now, you, when you get to the to the starting line of whatever sport you're in, you're there to compete now. You've done all the stuff in practice. You've done all the thinking in practice. So why carry that over into your competition? So that's why I say, you know, you can't think about, you know, what you're doing when you get to that starting line, whatever sport you're in, because you have to think about that the night before. So yeah. that's what I implement them now to do. Yeah, that's awesome. I hope everybody heard what you said, because I, I just wrote that down. Uh, we are what we think. That is so so huge. If you sit there and you think, oh, I'm not good enough, I, you know, I'm not fast enough, a couple things are, are happening, or at least that I think so. A couple things are happening. Is that, one, you know that in practice, you know, when for you, when Coach Miller was telling you, you know, pick it up or find another gear, you know whether you were really trying or whether you were, quote, unquote, half-assing it. And if you were really trying, then that eliminates that disbelief or that I can't type of, type of stuff. So um, we are what we think. So that's really, really good. I hope everyone heard that. Um, yeah, so, okay. And just to elaborate on that a little bit more, when I think you are what you think, that that is very, very, very true because I can count on times where I do, like I said, I'm not perfect and I go through things just like everybody else do, but I knew that sometimes we could be our own worst enemy. We can, mm-hmm. we can start listening to these voices in our head and start talking ourselves out of reason why we can't do something instead of focusing on focusing on the forces in our head that tell us that we can. I, I remember being in big races where, you know, I got 
big appearance money for that I was so much into my head of all the things of why, what did this happen, what did this happen? I literally talked myself out of the race before the race even started. And okay. everything that everything that I told myself I could not do in this race, that manifested into the race. <laughs> and I competed terrible. I, I even remember, um, I think it was in Lausanne, Switzerland one year, and I literally talked myself out of the race before it even started because I, was, it was, I think it was, like, cold and it was kind of, like, rainy. And I was like, oh, my God, I hope, you know, my hamstring doesn't tighten up and everything. So you have to realize when you're out there on the track anyway, you're already nervous. you got all this adrenaline going. So you start to feed yourself that negative energy. That adrenaline goes down. And I learned to take that adrenaline that goes to your body and use it as fuel. But when you start talking all this negative stuff, that manifests right into your competition. So exactly when the gun goes off, I had already told myself that it's too cold, my hamstrings are going to be tight. And gun goes off, and guess what? Bam, hamstrings tighten up, couldn't even finish the race. Oh, geez. <laughs> it works both ways, for good and for bad. What advice would you give? Let's say I'm ready to walk into, you know, the board meeting, i got to do this presentation, and I start talking to myself like, oh, you know, am I charging too much for this, this product? Am I not doing it? When people start going through those negative things, what advice would you give or what things have you done to, like, stop that and redirect your thoughts? Well, I believe when you perfect something, you're always equipped for that job if you put the time and focus and energy into it. So when those negative voices come to your head, what I've learned is that, like, it's almost like your mind is a camera. Is you going to capture it or are you going to dismiss it? So sometimes when a negative thought comes into your head, if you capture that, that moment or that thought or whatever, and that's goes back, that goes back to being consciously aware. So I live in that state now. Like, if when a negative thought comes into my mind, which we all have, and they do come into my mind as well, I'm human, I have some of the same negative thoughts that everybody else does, but I've learned to be, you know, very consciously aware of that, so I kind of, like, picture my mind as like this camera, so when the thought comes in my mind, am I, am I going to click click to capture it, I'm going to let it pass me by. I've learned to, you know, when those thoughts come into my head, to just tell myself, you know what, I can't do it, I'm not, this is just a thought. And, and what you what you feed grows. So if I focus all my energy on the reasons why I can't do something, and then guess what? That's what's going to show up in your presentation, all the reasons why you can't. So I, I advise people to just relax and be consciously aware of the thoughts that come into your mind and, and feed only the ones that uplift and motivate you to be a success. That is so, so cool. I think that's one thing that a lot of us forget is that just because we have a thought doesn't mean it's true yeah that's true you know it's just a thought and just let it go and um keep the ones that you want and let the other ones pass just like you know a tumbleweed in the wind so that's really really cool that's a take a look at camera that's awesome yeah absolutely because i I believe like you said you're going to have them not one person in this world don't don't go without having some type of negative thought or some type of self-doubt but it's what you capture in your mind like i said if you look at your mind it's like a, a camera I want to capture good things. I, I don't. I don't want to capture the bad things. And like I said, thoughts is just all it is. It's just a thought. But if you start to feed into that thought, especially if, it, if it's a negative one, and then guess what? Those negative experiences are going to show up in your life. And like I said, I, I'm, not, I'm not perfect, and that probably could be sometimes where your thoughts may defeat you. But at the end of the day, with practice, with meditation, and you focusing on the thoughts and the things that you want to accomplish in your life. I've even learned now to I only try to speak on the things that I want in my life instead of mm-hmm. talking about the things that I don't want in my life. Because at the end of the day, like I said, you're gonna get these negative thoughts in your mind and you're gonna 
you're going to get good thoughts in your mind. But with practice and meditation and you become consciously aware, you fo- you learn to start to focus more on the good thoughts and then you just let the negative thoughts be as they are. I'm not saying you can't you can't dismiss them. You have to allow the thought to be in your mind, but then you let it let it don't give it energy uh disappear. And yeah. you start doing that and every every time then you notice you start to focus more on the good than you do the bad. That is that is so so cool. I I just freaking freaking love that. So moving forward, I wanted to talk to you. You're running the race. What city were you in when you broke your fibula, when you broke your leg? Can you walk me through that day and then kind of what was your initial thought and what was kind of like your mental state after breaking your leg like that? Oh, absolutely. So we were right here in the city of Atlanta. Uh, okay. At the time, I, I was living in Auburn. Uh, so we were right here in the city of Atlanta. I probably was in the best shape that I had been in. We came down to Atlanta. We were actually going for the world championships indoor. And I was the favorite to win it that year uh, because I had you know, produced such great times in, you know, in, in the early season. So I was the favorite to win it. In which I, I um, So you have to come to the American championships in, indoors. They only take the, the top two in the race. So I was one at the time. At the time, I was going up against Sean Crawford, which was an amazing phenomenal runner. There was this guy named, I think his name was Kevin Little. He was an mm-hmm. amazing indoor 200-meter runner as well. So I was going up against these guys, and I knew I was in good shape. I knew I had to produce a good time. And so we, we get to the American Championships here in Atlanta. I knew this was going to take the top two. You know, I run great races in my round, and so I drew the, drew the, drew the lane that I wanted to draw in the race. So gun goes off. I go out. I was you know, pretty much blazing. When I crossed the finish line, I set the American record indoors. Uh, I think I ran about 20.3 indoors at the time, which was American record. So I set the record. And these two, I had to cross the line way before they did. So these two was battling, battling before who was going to get second in that race to make the team. So I was literally had crossed the line, and uh, I was getting ready to do my victory lap to wait to the crowd. So as I go up the uh, up the little ramp because uh, the 200 meters is kind of like a bank track so I mm-hmm. go up the little ramp there and then all of a sudden as soon as I started waiting to the crowd I heard this bam come up to the back of me as soon as I heard it I, I fell down and I, and I actually hurt my leg oh. so I knew something was broken so I was mm-hmm. down it was like just one of those freak nasty accidents yeah. I actually hurt my leg broke so I hurt my fibula broke uh, so I knew something was it was just really really bad so next thing you know, I'm like out of it. Pick up, they walk me off in a wheelchair, and uh, so I was pretty much out for the rest of the season. Wow. Uh, goes to the hospital, you know, stay there for a minute. Um, have to have two surgeries after that break, and so at that point, I didn't, you know, get a chance to go and win the uh, World Indoor Championships. But I know, you know, there's always a plan for our life. So I was out for the rest of the year. So I went to. Um, I told my, once again, I told myself that I was going really, really hard. I was going to go to rehab. So I went to rehab twice a day for for about five, about six to eight weeks. So I went to rehab twice a day, did what I was supposed to do. Kind of got back healthy, but then I had to have another surgery. So I went back for another four weeks. So kind of got in a position to where I worked with my therapist and everything and kind of got back strong in my legs. So I started back training. So once again, I told myself that this is what I'm going to do. By this time, I was going to be back on the track. When I got back healthy from that injury, my very first race out, the guy who actually broke my leg, I faced him in the same race again. No so, way, are you uh, serious? Yeah, I faced Whoa. him in that, in that exact race. 
is that my very first race out of at the Adidas Classic uh, was my very first race of coming back from that injury, but I had put in the good training. I got healthy again. So my very first race out in that meet, I set a PR in 100 meters. I ran 9.9 in that race, which I won. So that was a huge confidence boost in knowing that yeah. you know, if I put in the time that I had worked, that I overcame something that pretty much could have ended my career. But I, I was determined to get back on the track because I knew that, you know, I, I, I could be great again and that I was going to be stronger than ever. So I did not let that stop me. That was, even though that, that, like, we have endorsements and everything, that can kind of, like, you know, hurt your career. But I knew that I was going to get back out there. I wasn't going to let that stop me. Just one of, I, I looked at it as just another obstacle that I needed to overcome. And what lesson was that for it to teach me? So I knew that I, was, I had worked hard in training. And so my very first race back out, I said a PR in 100 meters. And that gave me a huge confidence boost. Wow. Kobe, somebody, you need to copyright your life story. Somebody needs to make that into a book or a movie. That is like something out of movies. Break your leg and then come back and then set a PR, your first race back. First race back was a huge. Dude, that's <laughs> insane. That's so freaking cool. So you can I can't imagine what my that. confidence was. Yeah, so my confidence was through the roof. And so that season on, I mean, I had an amazing season. I was, you know, running some of the best times I had ever ran on the track. I ran out of lane one. Um, I think we were in Zurich. Ran out of lane one. And I ran 20 flat in the rain in the 200 meters from lane one. This all happening after I had broken my leg. It's just one wow. of the things that I need to overcome. It, is, it was or could have been a potential hindrance that it made you work even harder yeah because or... i mean yeah i think it was a combination of you know it happens and you know sometimes things happen in life you have to figure out a way how are you going to overcome it and then how what it, what is it here to teach you i looked at it as though is it is it teaching me to give up do i quit now or do i yeah. go overcome this obstacle and be great again I, i'm gonna i tell them i'm gonna be great and this obstacle is not gonna stop me so i have to try myself mentally and say you know what I, I this is I gotta get back up again. You fall down seven times, you get up eight. So yeah. I said, you know what, I gotta get up again. My 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 family is dependent on me, you know, my my my, my friends, you know, I, I have people to inspire. Like I said, you're gonna have obstacles in life and you're gonna experience things that may try to knock you knock you off your, your 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 goal. But at the end of the day, it goes back to why. Why am I doing this? So if I quit now and I'm 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 not inspiring the next person the little boy that, you know, struggling to get through school or something. If I quit, then he's going to quit. So I just don't yeah. know why. Yeah. Jeez. Kobe, I'm serious. No, I'm not saying this because we're on a podcast or anything. I literally have chills right now. Like, that's just – I just love those comeback success stories. Just love it. Somebody – if you're listening to this and you're a producer or you're a movie, contact Kobe. You need to put that into some sort of blockbuster movie. That is – that is so freaking cool, man. I just can't get over it. I'm, like, at a loss for words. I'm serious. That's really yeah, bad. I, I really appreciate that. But, yeah, like uh, like I said, like, stumbling blocks are just little little stepping stones along the way to put you further along in your success. So that's yeah. what I looked at it as. Like, you know what? You can't let obstacles stop you because at the end of the day, you only get one life. It is up to us of how we want to, to live it and how we want to inspire others to it. So I kind of like, you know, like like I tell people, use your life as a class to inspire us. So mm. if I give up, you know, somebody else is going to give up. And yeah. I want to be that person that because of you, 
I didn't give up on my dream. I didn't give up on my college school. I didn't give up on building my business because I saw your story. I saw that you got over the obstacle. So I'm not going to just let this one little obstacle stop me. Sometimes you got you, you, you to gotta go, go a different way. And so I told myself that, you know what, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to rehab twice a day. I'm going to do everything that my, my physical therapist told me to do so I can get back on this track and, and, and be an inspiration to people. And so I think that was my motivation. Yeah. Actually, I don't think it was my motivation. So, of course, when you get back on the track, I was so excited to do it. So I already knew that when I got on yeah. that track, I didn't know what the time was going to be. I didn't know I was going to set a PR, uh, tie my PR in 100 meters, but I knew that I was going to run fast that day. I just knew yeah. it. And it, and it happened. So beautiful. That's so cool, man. That's so cool. Fast forwarding a little bit in your um, life timeline. You know, like I said in the very beginning of the intro, I'm very lucky I get to talk to some other Olympic athletes and professional athletes. I notice sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes after their quote-unquote athletic career is coming to an end, at least professionally or at that elite level, it's sometimes a difficult transition mentally or whatnot. Can you kind of talk about your transition kind of after you realize, like, hey, you know, Olympic times are kind of past me? Or what was that that transition like, and and how did you, you know, work your way through that or filter your way through that? Well, yeah, of course, like, you know, when you're used to, you know, running for 10 years and, you know, traveling the world and everything, you and doing all of that and, and, and just the mental and the discipline and the commitment that you make to be the be the best athlete in the world, um, that was kind of like a bit of transition. But I knew that, that I had learned some valuable lessons along the way that I can carry over to my next, you know, goal, my next dream, my next success. So my thing was, okay, yes, I had to make a transition of, of, of living that life to going back to try and do something else now to inspire other people. And so um, – it was a bit of adjustment to, to, you know, not traveling so much. And, you know, I, I can remember one summer just spending the entire summer right there in Greece, uh, <laughs> you know, in their hotel. And it's like, you know what, it, it, and, I, and I got to train there. So uh, if you go from, like, that to, to coming back now, uh, what's my next move? What is my next purpose? What is my next thing I need to do? Because I'm not one of those people that just because, you know, you had success early on that you just want to sit around and not do something. But I'm yeah. always – uh, now in in this in this chapter of my life, I'm, I want I, I continue to inspire people, whether it's through you know mentoring people and you know and, and showing them some of the ways and, and instilling them some of the values that I learned early on. Even as you know the kids and people that I work through now, just the mental focus of of, of learning to overcome obstacles and everything. So I kind of share that with them. So, but yeah, like it was a good transition to make. But you know what? That was one phase of my life, and, and now, like this phase of my life that I'm doing now, I enjoy this much more because I, I'm I'm actually being able to inspire people now to to let them know that, that it can be great, that you know what you can overcome obstacles, and that you know what you can be an inspiration to others through your story. So, is it, that's just as rewarding as you know as when I was competing in my athletic career. So, I'm still doing, like I said, find find what you love. And, and do what you love, and and and, you, and the rest is, is history. So, yeah. even though like I'm doing what I love now, like inspiring people and helping people and stuff like that, I get just as much joy, and I don't have to put all that stress in my body from being active <laughs> because, man, that is a that is totally totally dedication. If you're gonna be competing at the next level, you're gonna have to make some sacrifices, and you're gonna have to be committed to your why. Because yeah. if you're not, you, you won't be you won't be able to go to the next level. 
Yeah. You have a really, really, really good heart, man. It's really, really nice, nice to see. That's um, really cool. I just have a couple other questions for you, but before I get to those last couple questions as we start to wrap up the time here, um, where can everybody find you? Online, anything like that? What do you got yeah, going on? So I'm on all social media platforms, and my page is verified with the blue check mark. So if you type in my name, Kobe Miller, you should find me there. Like uh, I'm on Facebook, I'm on uh, Instagram, and I'm on Twitter. Not as active on Twitter, but, I mean, I, I do have friends over there that I keep in contact with. Um, but that's, you can find out all social media platforms. And uh, if you look on my Instagram, there is a link tree link there that kind of has everything there as well. So, yeah, so that's what people can find me at. And uh, I try to interact with my fans as much as I can. So people send me a message and say something like, you know, what your message really inspired me. I at least try, when I can get to it, I at least try to say something because you never know how what that person has gone through, and just your simple words of telling them that, you know what, I care. So mm-hmm. that's what I try to do. I can't say that I get through all the messages, but most of them I try to at least say something because I, I actually, and this is really um, this is really kind of like this morning before I started this podcast, I had a lady, I had wrote a message on my Instagram, and I had a lady to inbox me, and she said, you know what, I was on the urge of giving up, but I saw your message. And it literally touched me. So that's why I do that. And that's why. And this happened this morning, right before this podcast. So I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak with you and share my vision and, and you using your platform to inspire others. But, yeah, I had a lady to tell me that. She said, I was on the verge of giving up, but I saw that your is, message. You know, oh, that is so heartwarming, Kobe. That is so freaking cool. And uh, to everyone listening, I can attest to that. Your pages are filled with nothing but positivity. It just it makes me smile each time I go go to your page or come across uh, one of your posts and stuff like that. So I appreciate everything that, that you're doing. Uh, but that that's got to feel just really really awesome getting those messages and kudos to you. Cool. So I want to kind of just end with this last question. So if someone were to come to you, they were thinking to themselves whether it be athletics or whether it be business, and they go, you know, Kobe, I just I just don't think that I can do it. I don't know if I can overcome and become an athlete or I don't know if I have what it takes to start that business. What's some things that you might tell someone like that or what advice would you give? Um, my advice would be, to, like I said, to find out what you're good at. And it doesn't have to be like athletics. It could be, you could be a good writer. You could be a good speaker. You could be a, a good trainer. You could be a good teacher because everybody's path is different. I personally just knew athletics was my gift. Your gift might be something different, but if you, Learn to perfect that gift, and you learn, and you realize that the world, the world needs to, to have a part of what you're sharing, and then when you perfect that or whatever, then your your life becomes take on a whole new level because you are sharing yourself with the world. You are sharing what you're doing, and somebody needs that. So it doesn't matter. I don't care if you are a, a, a pastor. I don't care if you are a football coach or whatever. If you're good at that. Work on perfecting that. Work on perfecting what you're good at. And then when you perfect what you're good at, and then that's when you discover your purpose. Because when you discover your purpose, is is, is what you're what you're good at. And and so that my advice would be to people like find what you're good at and learn mm-hmm. to, to perfect that. And if you can do that, guess what? It will serve the world in ways you can never imagine. Well, brother, I really, really appreciate it. And to everyone listening, I would go back and re-listen to some of those things that and Kobe talked about, I just love hearing people at your elite level go through the 
and overcome life's obstacles and struggles and come back. And now you're starting to inspire people around the globe. So it's just really, really cool. So I thank you very much for taking the time to be on the Overcoming You podcast. And I think that's about, about it. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. I'll see you.